This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So we've heard all the chants before over the years. Have they got it in their locker to really come up with something original which will brighten me day? A fat head, potato head, it's not enough. That's not enough, we've heard all that before. Anyway, me mum thinks I'm, I'm very, very good looking. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Said podcast show. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. We're a winning team again, villains. The first back-to-back win since May 2015 have finally put the keys in the ignition of this season. A win against the Blues and those keys are going to be turned and we could be parking in the playoff spot sooner rather than later. With Bruce returning to St Andrews in Claret and Blue, it should certainly be a spicy encounter, as per usual. This episode of the My Old Man Said podcast is sponsored by Win or Lose Menswear and they're offering up two sets of weekday and weekend Claret and Blue socks and a £20 Villa gift store voucher for Mom's patrons. If you don't know already, My Old Man Said patrons are putting a regular reward draws for various goodies as a show of thanks for their support. For starters, without them, there would be no podcast. Uh, if you want to join up and get in on the action, uh, head over to myomansaid.com and check out the patron link on the menu bar. There'll be a link in the, the podcast notes as well. Uh, just quickly, a big thanks to the following new patrons who have signed up this week. Greg Sawicki, Carl White, Keen Haynes, Roger Weir and Martin Jutteland. If I pronounce your surnames wrong, excuse me, I'm a bit dyslexic when it comes to uh, surnames. This week's podcast is a couple of days late, as it's a bit of a struggle every week to fit in the editing of it, as it takes a full day's work to do. I mean, I think the rule of thumb is they always say uh, for every minute you record takes four minutes to actually edit it you're talking about uh, eight ten hours work straight away and that's before doing the music and editing clips together and all that kind of stuff so uh, we might take a week off to look at ways to speed up the process uh, certainly if you become a patron that would be a big help i mean you can be a patron from from 80p a month one uh, dollar a month 
So coming up in the show, we'll be taking a look at the Blues game and assessing our opponent's weaknesses and seasons so far, as well as recalling our first derby games that we actually went to uh, against the Blues. We'll also look back at the back-to-back wins against Reading and Fulham and start to discuss the actual impact that Bruce has already had and what he's done differently. There'll also be a focus on Jack Grealish and whether he can consider himself a member of the first 11 anymore. And on top of that, there'll be the regular Moms QT and also five reasons to be cheerful, plus all the usual crazy stuff. So, villains... On the eve of the first Second City Derby to be played at St Andrews since the Dark Ages events of 2011, what we like to call the Battle of St Andrews, let's get on with the show. Joining me on the show, as per usual, Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground and my old man said writer, Chad Wren. Welcome, gents. Hello. Hello. So how, how's your week been? Has it been added to by a back-to-back victory? Pretty busy this week, trying to move house, so I get to deal with solicitors. That's been dragging on, hasn't it? Long... Look how You notice how we've detoured like straight away from celebrating back-to-back wins to uh, the drudgery of uh, buying a house and dealing with solicitors. Well, well, Villa have won more away games than I've bought houses since I started the process, so that that reflects how well it's going. So what's the main problem? Because it's been dragging on for a while now, hasn't it? Houses falling through, that's that's just the way it goes. But the chain game... The chain game, it's just been a nightmare. Going through houses like Villa go through managers. If there's one thing you know about life, it can't be all perfect. So as soon as Villa start winning, uh, other parts of your life will start to fall apart. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's inevitable. It's all the list of things that I've been you know, supposed to be worrying about. I'm most concerned about how quickly the internet will transfer from my current house to the new one. Does that make me... You know, my, my wife's worrying about these, you know, gas, electricity. No, 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 no. The internet, darling. Problem about this Villa winning... It's, I think it's, it's, it's inciting, judging from what Chad was talking about before we uh, press record, it's manifesting itself by creating allergic reactions, Chad, isn't it? Because you, you were like puking your guts up before the game uh, against Fulham. Um, <laughs> was that related to Villa winning games this week? I think it's a little bit related, but mostly just being a student, probably. Mixing gin and tonic with Jack Daniels and Coke. And Jaegers. Yeah, and Jaegers and cider. Yeah, well, uh, first first rule of Fight Club is don't mix your drinks, unless you're hard. Right, so what's been happening this week? Well, obviously, first back-to-back win since May, which we'll obviously talk about. Uh... <laughs> also, Gabby is now, Gabby Abongahor is now on a six-week training plan uh, with one week down already, which... What's he been uh... doing till now? What the... <laughs> what? You know what, have they just, like, found him in the local Big John's and gone, look at you... Gabby, you're useless. It's the Blues Derby next week. 
What? 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 Get that down your neck. It's protein. <laughs> well, I'm a professional footballer. Yeah. Still, I mean, still paying me five years. So... Gabby, six weeks to get fit, yo. Ain't yo a pro, bro? Villa, please. I still can't understand this song and dance. Uh, yeah. I mean, for example, like in the local media where before the game against Fulham, they have pictures of him in his suit uh, in an exec box uh, and the angle of the story is he's, he's at the game. Well, if he's getting paid, what, good hearty five figures, you bloody well expect him to be at the game. You Thank also you. expect him to be fit and training. Yeah, thanks for turning up for work, Gabby. <laughs> you know, so much. Oh, he's here. Oh, well. Thank you for coming. Well done for getting into the suit. And then what else has happened? Well, Manchester United got stuffed 4-0 against Chelsea. What has that got to do with Villa? Well, they kind of remind me a little bit of, uh, like, Villa are almost like the championship equivalent with four or or five, like, top strikers. They're kind of top-heavy, and they're just looking at a way to fit them all in. I mean, obviously, Di Matteo tried to put them all in and it didn't work. But uh, is that a fair comparison, would you say, Chad? Yeah, I'll probably agree with that. Because I don't think United have found that team yet, and I don't think Villa have. And obviously, Bruce uh, has done well to get the two wins, but obviously he's only also had an odd day of training here or there. This week, this forthcoming week before the Blues game, is the first clear run he's had. I'd say they're doing the same as what Di Matteo did and just playing the players who cost more. Yeah, no, exactly. Because with those price tags, they're obviously pressure and you know that's pressure from the board to actually play them as well right let's get on to uh business so one week seven points out of nine what's bruce done that's different from what's gone on before i think he's picked a team that to do a job and it hasn't been has been pretty but god it's been damn effective and damn satisfying hasn't it just watching someone single-mindedly going after the straightforward really you know don't lose try and win and we've we've done it one thing is i noticed straight away is he actually makes substitutes that actually change the game and impact Mm. it well, the AU change against Reading was was just perfect. It was it's exactly the kind of thing that the Di Matteo wasn't doing really. That you know you set the team up as you want it. You don't. We've just been talking about top loading, swap swap light for light. You know when we introduced AU against Reading, they couldn't deal with that pace at eighty minutes. Yeah, no, exactly. And then against Fulham, bringing on Adoma, who apparently wasn't one hundred percent fit to become that supply line on the right and moving Codger into the middle, uh, obviously came up top trumps big time. <laughs> but the quest, but but the question is, would you play Kodja down the middle from the start? Because I mean, come on, he's the best striker we've got. Surely, he's, he, I would say he's the most complete in terms of what he can do. I mean, you talk about Gestead, and you're talking about well, we have to do this to take advantage of his height. You play McCormack instead. That's a different. You, play, you have to play a different way. But with Kodja, you could probably play you know every every which way really. Mm-hmm. Can't you? He's the player you can switch in and out, and maybe he's that. Maybe he's the luxury player that you can actually say anywhere across the front you can put him, and that's where is that where you? That's how you get players like Gested into the team if you need to. And you know, I think we, we haven't talked about Gabby yet, but Gabby used to get pushed out wide, and he'd be a worse player for it. Codger actually is still quite effective. I think he's damn effective down the middle. Don't get me wrong. Um, but is, is there anything to be said for doing what we used to do, for example, in the times of Stuart Downing, Ashley Young, Albrighton, where they would play like a three mm-hmm. just behind the uh, forward? And obviously two of those would be wide and they would rotate through the game to obviously keep their defence on their toes. Because mm-hmm. you could do that with AU, Codger, you know, maybe Grealish to some extent as well. McCormack, I don't think he's a wide player. I think he needs to be scheming in the middle of the uh, the park. 
After Fulham, I probably would uh, play Kodja down the middle, to be honest. Bruce has probably got a bit of thinking to do after the way he came alive. He played pretty well in the build-up to it, but he, um, yeah. as soon as we moved him down the middle, he just looked like a completely new player. And the movement off of the ball is he probably he's probably our best mover in terms of our uh, proper strikers that gave McCormack the um sort of freedom to start slotting balls through because I think what was impressive that led to that goal was uh, both for Domar and uh, Codger actually pressing and closing down quite high up the pitch because that keeper uh, is it David Button looked like he had a mistake in him and they kept up the pressure and obviously it kind of paid off I just like the way they sort of linked together as well like they knew exactly what they were going to do straight away the way yeah. Adoma crossed it, he didn't just sort of whip it in and hope. He knew exactly the position um, Kodja wanted it as well. It was the perfect goal, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. It really was. It's one of those well, goals was, where you think, I'm, I'm going to watch this 10 or 15 times. I already have done. The finish didn't look as good at live either. It's what? better it, when you watched it, it back. <laughs> For me, anyway. Well, I'm from the North. You were still so recovering? I was squinting my eyes. Seeing whether it actually hit the back of the net and then instantly looking at the lines, and like I always do, but yeah. They had a uh, replay, didn't they? Please. Yeah, limbs. It's going too mental at that point. Limbs. <laughs> <laughs> but it was exactly the same as Tony Daly's uh, scissor kick yeah. against Everton in 1988, which uh, I still hold on as one of my favourite Villa goals. So, and also they were scored on the same day, the 22nd Whoa. of October. Whoa. We'll stick on the Fulham game at the moment. It wasn't the most exciting game at the start. I mean, it was pretty flat, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree, in terms of atmosphere and play? I mean, Fulham, uh, I mean, they had a lot of possession. I think it was almost, was it 70%? And they actually didn't have a shot on target. So uh, they were pretty much set up for the draw. That's why I was surprised that McCormack didn't come on a little bit earlier on because I thought it was Fulham were just basically saying, come and have a go at us and uh, hoping we'd fall in that trap and then try to hit us on the counter as they have done kind of throughout the season. What's your position in terms of Villa? Are they playing as a team yet? Is it uh, is it kind of boring to watch but you don't care because of the results? Chad, you know, what's your... Uh... Um, I definitely think what you said about being boring, but you don't care. At the end of the game, we we won one nil, and no one even remembered the fact that it was a flat game for like a good like, sixty minutes. But um, yeah, Bruce is doing the right things. In the ways different to Di Matteo is Di Matteo may some of game some of the games may have been a bit more exciting due to attacking players being on the pitch, but. Bruce is just packing the midfield with five and then making really impactive subs where we can just go and grab a goal. The way he brings off McCormack from the bench rather than starting him, I think is actually really clever as well. I don't think that is just due to, I don't know, fitness or picking players. I think that's a tactical decision, bringing him on at those points in the game because he swaps out a midfielder and brings him on and he hits them then. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I still think Ross McCormack's got some poppy fat. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> As McLeish said. One of my start- mates said he reminds him of uh, Wayne Rooney. Well. Yeah, a little bit, actually. He has the same kind of demeanour. Yeah. But do, do you think, in terms of the uh, the quality of football, I mean, the fact that Bruce uh, has only had the odd day of training here and there probably affects this because I don't think Di Matteo had them playing as a team in any shape or form. So uh, give him a few weeks and it should start to come together. I'd agree with that. I mean, we, he can't can't be said to have even had full weeks of training yet. You know, it's so, there's so many other issues. Well, we have got injuries. Um, it's it's interesting what he did with Hutton. Really, that I don't think he, any of us are particularly huge fans of Hutton, but he's he's took the view that you can release Bakuna into a midfield role, and it gives gives him another option, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And I do like how you know Bruce is doing the things that I think you know you'd expect a manager to be doing. He's setting up a team to do a job. You know, the the one huge difference between him and Di Matteo is his subs are to affect the game. Rather yeah. than a desperate roll of a dice, you know. You know, I'll go back to the 
um, bringing AU on at, at Reading. You know, you can see what he's trying to do. He, he removes someone who's run themselves into the ground or it hasn't worked. And he's saying, well, do you know what? We'll, you know, we'll try and at least go for the game. I thought it was quite interesting when uh, when we spoke last week about uh, the fact that Reading were unbeaten at home and Fulham were unbeaten away from home. I just had a feeling that actually Villa are going to win both of those games just based on those facts because football always uh, serves that kind of uh, stuff up. But go- going back to the Reading game, which we've, we've kind of skipped over, I think the goal coming when it did was the kind of real big catalyst that almost the momentum of that carried through uh, the Fulham game, which actually gave you the confidence for that game. But... Uh, Reading had a real good chance at the end where it went straight across the face of the goal. I mean, if that's the fine margins we're actually working on at the moment, I don't think Villa are a... Uh, they're still not a team you can go, right, we're going to beat these and we're going to beat these, you know, and just look look down the fixture list. It is, uh, as the championship has been, a bit of a 50-50 tussle still, and it's relying on a bit of luck. And we've had a bit of fortune in the last couple of games. Would you agree with that? Because that Reading... If Red, Reading equalised... <laughs> After we'd went 2-1 up in the last minute, then uh, the complexion changes completely. It was just what we needed, really, as well. The sort of fact that so many teams have done it to us. Yeah, um, yeah it's just a massive boost in terms of confidence. But Reading, Payback time. Yeah, and Reading were a, a very good side, or are a very good side. I don't think we deserve the win either, overall. I say yeah. they either deserved it or it was just a draw. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I think, I mean, Reading had a similar amount of possession as Fulham did, yeah. but I think you could make an argument that Reading deserved something from that game. Well, against in the Fulham game, Villa obviously did, probably deserved all three points, despite there being the same percentage uh, of possession. You expect it when you're away uh, against Reading, but at the home game, I was quite surprised by that stat. But I mean, I made a, a comment on social media saying Villa looking the livelier... And I think this was after about half an hour and somebody, uh, I think, responded on, who probably wasn't at the game, uh, said, well, uh, we've only had 30% possession, so how can that be? And it's it, what, it's what you do with it, isn't it? It's, exactly, yeah. And I think that it's, it's, a, it's an old adage, isn't it? But the, the, the key stat over the whole game is that we won 1-0. I, you, know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can stick your passing statistics and all the shite that comes out of all these Optus stats. There's only one that matters, and I'm sure that when Bruce was wandering back down the tunnel, you know, Fulham could have had 99% possession for all he cared. That old Sorry. argument again, though, is it? Would Would you prefer... I don't know, 60, 70% possession and just see Ashley Westwood pass the ball back to the defence every single time we had the ball? Or would you rather us give the opposition more of the ball and every time we get it, just get it forward and just look livelier because we have in both games, I think. It was quite interesting in Lambert's tenure as, uh, tenuous tenure as Villa manager that he actually... You know, he switched ethos throughout the season. I mean, mm. we were very well known as in the Premier League as being actually the most effective counter-attacking yeah. team in the league. And then a few months on, in terms of scoring the most goals, and then a few months on, well, maybe it was the season after, he turned completely to a possession-based style of football where we were suddenly uh, out-possessioning. And not scoring much, as many goals. Pretty much every team we played, but we just couldn't score or, or had no threat in like the final third at all. That's when that, that was those six or seven months where we absolutely starved Benteke, wasn't it, if you remember? Exactly, yeah. And, and I think that was that was the big switch that Sherwood said, just get that ball as quickly as possible to Benteke. And that was pretty much his tactics mm-hmm. summed, up in, summed up in one. I mean, any th- one of us three could have uh, come up with that little uh, chestnut. Mm-hmm. Credit to Benteke, yeah. isn't it, really? Yeah. Right, so, I mean, looking at the pitch, uh, two wins, I think we still need a th- third and a fourth win on the trot until the actual league table looks uh, it makes more sense to uh, 
villains wanting to be more positive. We're still six points behind, but we just if we beat the Blues, suddenly we're three points behind them and actually in the playoff mix. When we beat the Blues. <laughs> Sorry, when we beat the Blues, but uh, never make predictions on podcasts because they always sample <laughs> They'll it. They'll be sampled out. <laughs> fire it back to you within... Uh, Within about 30 seconds of the final whistle. How could, they, how could they use their trotters on a keyboard? I mean, it's not... They don't... <laughs> you, you, I think you might get a pig's head delivered to your door after that comment. So why, would they, why would they cut their wives' head off? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> There's no stopping him. Interesting thing is Norwich are starting to slip up. I mean, I thought mm. they were kind of... Them and Newcastle were going to hold hands and sprint away with the uh, automatic promotion places, but starting to uh, flap around a bit. Mm. You never know, but I think we'd have to go on uh, one hell of a, I was going to say killing spree, but pretty much the same thing. A winning spree to uh, entertain automatic promotion. So just, I mean, in summation, uh, I think we're just a, it's just a matter of maintaining winning more than we lose, well, winning more than we draw and lose, shall we say, and by Christmas we should be nestled into the playoff battle, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? I think Newcastle have probably uh, got an automatic promotion slot to their name. <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely say that's the case. And then we can use January as well, if we need the, for another midfielder to sort of boost us forward. Steve Booth, what a legend. We can talk a little bit more about the uh, the two games, but I've got a few listener questions which actually touch on some of the topics that I was wanting to bring up. Uh, the first one, Claire Eccles on Twitter says, will Brucey be strong enough to drop Elphick and continue with the current centre-back pairing? And what will that mean with regard to the captaincy if he does? Uh, I'll answer, uh, well, I'll start to answer that. I think the key thing at play here is as well as Elphick being a bit dodgy uh, before he got injured was is is the fact that Chester was the center back in the whole team that uh, Steve Bruce took up so in terms of captaincy i don't think any, uh, bruce has any problems uh, making chester a long term captain uh, the interesting thing is if elphick does get back into the team and he's alongside chester then if for example, if Chester's had a, a run of 10 games as captain, what happens then in terms of the, the captain dynamic? But I think Chester Baker, if it's working, I don't see there's any issue of uh, Elphick getting back in the team. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. How did you see them play, uh, well, let's say at Villa Park against Fulham, for example? Uh, I thought Chester, he's just consistent anywhere, and he just goes along doing his sort of job quality. He's a good, good player. And then I thought Baker was phenomenal. I thought Baker was really good. And also, is like we've mentioned about how um, height in our defence, how we had two sort of under six foot centre backs. Baker brings that height, and um, it's like Bruce is almost teaching him a little bit in his game, and he's staying on his feet a little bit more, and that sort of Bristol line yeah. might have helped yeah. him a little bit. Yeah. I like that. Well, that, I think that's the key. If, I mean, the, the good thing about obviously having Bruce as manager is, you know, he's one of the best centre backs of uh, the last few decades. So uh, for Baker, that's surely going to help his game. Exactly. But Dan, uh, would you be okay with Chester as captain? Yeah, no problems for me. I think he's probably been one of the most consistent players to have come in. Because I think, I mean, in terms of other players respecting him, he's you know he's got that kudos of obviously being in uh, the Welsh team that got to the mm. semi-final. So uh, you know those little things kind of uh, help there. He's been quite. I mean, the thing that sticks in my head about Chester is that he he was digging Elphick out of problems quite frequently. You know, particularly yeah. towards the end of Di Matteo's tenure. You know, echo what you said. Really, I think Baker's got a year of championship under his belt. Yeah, Bruce is clearly going to pick the best of what he's got available. It's, yeah, I mean, in terms of Bruce being strong enough, I, I think that's. 
There's no doubt about no, that. He's, no, no, he's, no. he's making practical decisions. He'll, if, you know, he'll fix. It's his position to get back now, I think, from, from exactly. my point of view. And uh, the same applies to Jack Grealish, but we'll, mm. we'll talk about that uh, in, a, in a sec. Uh, going on to the second question, step to Kelly on Twitter, Twitter address Holt End Ultra, just says the rise of Gary Gardner, which I, I think that means discuss the rise of Gary Gardner. I don't think Gary Gardner has actually risen yet from the dead, if... Uh, to use that pun. But uh, I think he definitely had one of his better games against Fulham. Would you agree, Chad? Yeah, I definitely agree. We didn't really dominate in either game uh, in terms of possession, like we said before. But at Reading, he ran his socks off, like Bruce said. And he still was fit enough to come and play in the uh, home game against Fulham as well. And he looked good, yeah. He looked good. He didn't misplace as many passes as he had before. And he's playing a bit deeper, isn't he? I yeah. mean, I think he's in there to obviously uh, help old man Yedinak. But I think that there was that there was that moment when he was through and he kind of... He should left, have hit it with his left, shouldn't he? Yeah, he kind of left the ball behind. or oh, forgot about it. But no, it's interesting that obviously Bruce has identified the midfield, uh, which we've been banging on about all the time. And he's come up with... I don't think many fans would come up with a solution that he's come up with, which was to put Bakuna and uh, Gardner in there, which is kind of left field. Well, there's one notable absentee, isn't there? It's Westwood. Oh. Westwood has gone. There's also two, you know, two other holding players around him as well. So we were being absolutely overrun before. You know, the more people yeah. in there, the better. And we're now doing what other teams are doing. Was it was it Wolves who played with a three, and we looked, we got absolutely overrun. It doesn't seem to be a tactic for the full ninety minutes, though, does it? Because obviously he's he's having to change and. Well, that's the sign of a good manager, really. That you can't just set your team up and go and sit in the dugout. That you, as as mm. we said, you, you adapt to the game. You know, the yeah. Reading, again, use the Reading example, that it was nil-nil all day long. Everyone thought that was going to be a draw. Shifted the midfield and the, and the attack around. You win. Adoma at the weekend. You know, su- yeah. suddenly you've got width. Suddenly you've shifted Codger. It's, you know, it's also about giving the opposition different problems to think about yeah, yeah. throughout the game, and not yeah. just giving them the same, asking the same questions. Well, I, th- I think the key sort of thing about that is Bakuna. None of us ever thought, oh, yeah, we've we've hardly got any midfielders. Let's play him there. It was our last thought in our mind, and he's playing all right. He's playing quite decent, so. The throw setting Mortimer loose. Gray and Little. And Gray! Here comes Gray with the first goal. Yes, Andy Gray! What a breakout that was for Aston Villa. Seven minutes, almost eight minutes gone. Aston Villa won. The next question uh, from Matt Hawkins, who's uh, in the USA uh, from Twitter. He says, as a fan in the USA, I'm confused by the lack of live TV coverage. Any ideas? Can't even get radio streams. That's because, uh, Matt, we're in the championship now and uh, international rights for the championship aren't that exciting. In in terms of actually domestic rights, I would say you probably get as much live access in America as you do here, don't you think? Mm. Yeah, I mean, in terms of TV coverage, you're going to to struggle anyway, but radio stream... Probably best bets to find a proxy. Yeah, I mean, you you can you can get radio streams. I think West Midlands coverage is used on AVTV. Why you need uh, to be local for FM coverage? People people actually stream it. You stream. You stream. Yeah, it's normally streamed on that somewhere. That that's the radio coverage. But in terms of TV coverage, you, you're going to be struggling because obviously in the Premier League, every game's out there for international uh, coverage. So that's why 
it's stream. We can get a stream of it. But Championship, although Villa have done quite well for the amount of live games they're getting, which if it's live on Sky, that means you, there'll be a stream of it somewhere. You'll be fine. We'll be in the Premier League next <clears> season, so don't worry. But hopefully you'll only be inconvenienced for one season if all goes to plan. Uh, next question from Rob Chavinsky from Twitter. If we weren't promoted this year, what's the minimum Bruce has to achieve to keep his job next season? Dan, I think it begins with P, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> Certainly from the owner's point of view, I think that that's the two-year plan, isn't it, that he's that he's got here? Yeah, I think uh, if, if Bruce doesn't get promoted, he's, he's, in his second season, he'll get shot. I mean, I think that's the whole idea of the rolling contract is to safeguard Villa and obviously uh, uh, Dr. Tony... I think they expect Bruce to get us promoted this season. I mean, six points off the playoffs with so much of the season left. It's And the quality of the team, the amount of money that's spent. I mean, let's not beat around the bush here. They expect Villa to get promoted this season. You've got to fast but, forward that there'll be two transfer windows as well between. This season, there's, there's one. So if you... They expect him to get us up this season. I mean, there's, I mean, I don't think that's uh, a big secret. But in his defence, Bruce will have an excuse if he doesn't make it this season. Mm-hmm. A, that teams like Newcastle and Norwich have got too much of a head start. He's inheriting a team. Uh, also, the transition from last season still taking effect. You know, to because was it only thirty percent of teams get promoted after they get relegated. And after you've seen uh, a team that's had 17 points and had its soul sucked out of it, it's going to take a lot to kind of resuscitate it and get promoted the next season. So he will, uh, he'll have the grace to have a second season if he doesn't get us up this season. But that's why there's a rolling contract and there's not going to be any patience with him in the, the second season. So uh, I don't know. He's got to be in touch all the way, I think. He's got to start well. If we don't, I'm talking about hypothetically. If we're still in this league next season, he's got to start well and keep being in touch all the way to the end, <laughs> essentially, or else he'll be gone. God knows he's going to save us though if he can't uh, sort it out. Would you agree with that? That it's it's all about this season, and then he'll have to have us in the mix all the way if he fails to get us up. Yeah, I think this season will be very telling. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out over the next ten or fifteen games because that that will inform us as to as to where we where we're heading even in the short term really next season i wouldn't be surprised if we see another mental transfer window if we don't go up where it'll be the final the, the final massive throw of a huge dice i suppose at, at whatever talent's knocking around and then it'll be up to bruce to get us up there and probably doing a newcastle you you wonder whether they'd even mm. want any chance left to it you know you wouldn't would he would he tolerate us be doing what a norwich are doing now you know sort of flirting with second down to fourth you know does, would he want that risk of playoffs? i think what, what, i mean what is interesting in this it, there's, i think there has been a switch in the situation because i think the way they the way Dr. Tony, he's, I think his thought process in terms of getting Di Matteo in was we're doing the long term and the short term all at the same time. Di Matteo's previously got the baggies up, so he should be good enough to get us up. But also in plan for the long term future, you know, he's got the sexy image of Champions League winner and Steve should do Bruce it. Bruce has got the sexy image as well. You Two weeks running there, you're trying to, I won't have my client dismissed and played down. Look at his new hair, his tan. The wins, but, two wins. I mean, what's sexy football? Mike. No, but but in terms of Di Matteo was, I think, Tony's choice for was, the championship yeah, and Premier was League. Grand and Villa, it, wasn't he? Yeah. And it was all this idea of creating, and Steve Round was coming in to develop this ethos of what Aston Villa is in terms of on the pitch, what their style is. But I think Bruce was a bit more of a, uh, 
Get oh, the shit. job done appointment. We're, we're not going to get promoted here. Break glass for emergency. Get him in. And mm. we'll think about the whole long-term Steve Round ethos philosophy jive later. But, I, I mean, I'm struggling to think of who it could be. But if a great candidate was available, uh, next, if we got promoted next season, great candidate comes along. Do you think uh, Villa will be having little secret conversations? Or do you think they'd give Bruce a crack with the whip? Secret conversations. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, I mean, my 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 guess, but it's only in terms of what the decent thing to do would be, would be if Bruce got us up, I think they would give him that rolling contract one more year in the yeah. Premier League in the first season just to see if he's the man. If he, I mean, if he galvanises the fans and the fans are on, on his side, then he's obviously got a stronger card. I mean, I was speaking to some uh, Southampton fans today and it was that they were, you know, Team sort of half follow Villa, I think. They were saying about when they got they got relegated from the Premier League, they they actually dropped down to League One, and then they they came back up and they built a a core of players who, you know, as fans and as a club, they sort of associated with these players that had got them back to the Premier League. And they were yeah. talking to me about how it was there was that weird few weeks where they they sent all of their like stalwart players out on loan, so the captain, a couple of defenders, you know, the striker, I think it was Billy Sharp who got them the goals to get promoted, and then they yeah. got rid of Adkins. If you remember, yeah. they, they just they had a, I think they got Pochettino in. Yeah. But then they started rebuilding, and and it was interesting because we we're having the chat today about, especially having Doctor Tony in, whether what if Villa got up, what what would our aspirations realistically be? You know, would it to be become a a Southampton, or would it? Does he genuinely see us challenging? Because if it's the latter, the only reasonable thing you could see happening would be that. He would dump a Bruce because, yeah. you know, and, and players, you know, is it, are we really, you know, as, as much as I would want a Gary Gardner to become some sort of fantastic world-class footballer, if a world-class footballer became available to us, yeah, he's not going to be there, is he? That's, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think there's no room for sentimentality. Uh, no, no. And, and it's a kind of a sad thing because sentimentality is something that, uh, in terms of players and uh, fan relationship, it's the kind of lifeblood of football or what it used to be anyway. It's it's interesting to see, uh, I was reading an article the other day that said Bruce wanted the job for a good five years as well to stand us in good stead, so what's the likelihood of him getting that? Well, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's you know, it's like when Sherwood took over uh, at Spurs, he did, he did, you know, reasonably well and uh, mm. judging just on those results that he got, you'd expect him to carry on, but Spurs were like looking long-term. At the moment, Steve Bruce is very short term in terms of getting this. The core objective is promotion. And then after that, it's another world. But the way that Spurs got rid of him, and as you said, Southampton getting rid of Atkins, this is something, uh, I mean, it's obviously a bridge to cross later, but I think it's something, uh, you know, that will become very interesting if we do get promoted. You kind of have to give Bruce uh, a year, surely, but, uh, you know, who knows? Personally, I would, but you, you just don't know, do you? It's I think it's about aspirations. It's about, I mean, we're playing, you know, we're looking forward crystal ball style here, aren't we? Because this is, yeah, yeah. you know, we're not even, you know, we've won two games or... <laughs> Since since we beat Rotherham and we're going, wow, wouldn't it? You know, we get promoted and we're challenging. It's well, we 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 always like to look at the big picture here because we have ambition. Yeah. Well, we have we have won the trophies, which uh, many of those smaller teams, you know. I'm talking about ourselves rather than uh, <laughs> rather than the actual club itself. Anyway, let's let's move on to the next question. Talking about jumping the gun, uh, Paul Arscott has a uh, question. Things are definitely looking up. But who should we buy in January? Mm. Well, I think that's also, uh, as we were just saying, I mean, two wins. It's not looking up totally. Beat the Blues. Get back to me when we beat the Blues. I think in January, I mean, rather than... I think it's too early to go into specific players, but I think midfield is obviously... uh, 
Oh, go on then, Chad. We'll use, or Hen- Henry Lansborough, one of those two. Why do you say that? They're just solid midfielders and fairly young. Uh, would you think they'd make the transition up? Yeah. Uh, well, Will Hughes would anyway. He's basically backed ball most of the championship as one of their best players, isn't he, sir? If we could snatch him from Derby. But would he do a job in the PL? Short term. <laughs> you are? So we're looking at the short term. He might do. <laughs> There's going to be a massive comp. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Posse heap outside of uh, Villa, <laughs> Villa Park in the summer where people are going to get dumped off as we go to the Premier League. <laughs> uh, here's, a, here's a question, and I had to Google this because I, uh, I don't watch television. But uh, Dave Howie says uh, on Twitter, he says, Honey G or Rudy G? <laughs> I have no opinion on this. Do you know what he's referring to? Honeyjay, she's yeah. straight. I I I Google it and I, and I all I know is off X Factor. Yeah. But, but have you actually seen Honeyjay in action? Uh, well, I've only flicked over a lot once, but you can't really escape it because she trends on Twitter a lot. But so, how does she compare to Rudy G? <laughs> she moves more oh. <laughs> on stage, oh, more baby. movement. Oh, What's a charity work like? Rudy's is very good. True. Does she help the homeless? Or is she the homeless? <laughs> I know nothing. I'm just, I'm riffing here. So answer the question, Chad, because you seem to be more informed than either uh, either of us. Honey G or Rudy G? I'll go Rudy G because Rudy G wears um, a Nike tracksuit better. Oh, but isn't, surely he's, he's got to wear Under Armour nowadays. Ah, uh, true. But there's a picture of him on Instagram. He looks fresh. <laughs> so we're going to go for Rudy G being fresher than Honey G. Mm. Final question from Max Whitshead on Twitter. Will Bruce bring Grealish back into the squad after we've been winning without him? Well, actually, in this week's Improver, where we discuss one Villa player and focus on how they can improve, will they improve or are they a lost cause? Uh, We actually decided to talk a little bit about Jack Grealish. So we'll tackle that question there. Three-match ban. First of all, the the stomp, the stamp. Do you think he should have got a three-match ban for that, Dan? Yep. Ill-disciplined, petulant, uh, full glare of the cameras. What are you doing, man? You know, it's it's just another example of poor discipline from him. And, you know, do we want... We, we want to see some fights in our players, but don't do stupid things like that in full view of everything. Chad, do you, do you think he's been watching you play? Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> that was too cultured, surely. <laughs> So do you, do you think he, sh- he should have had the three-match ban? I, mean, I think I think it's a fair cop, really. Yeah, I do as well. It, there was a bit of both from both players, weren't there? But it's yeah, just a bit of both. You know, he, he got lured into it. It's that classic, yeah. isn't it, where you know you get a bit of this and that and then and then you're the one who fights. He was lucky not to get sent off at the time, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's, it's a case of kind of handbags, but then it's yeah. one, of those, one of those incidents where when you put it in slow motion, it just looks so sinister. Well, it just shows his inexperience because 
he was getting hammered all game in terms of tackles and yeah. got fouls, and he does all the time. But he should learn not to react. I mean, it's an mean? argument that the referee sort of allowed that to to build into that, and it was a very yeah. poor refereeing display. He was atrocious, wasn't he? He, he was really poor. Absolutely atrocious. Well, the top uh, player he is, he's probably been fouled more than anyone else, so he should know how to react. Yeah. So, do you expect him to get back into the team straight away? And I think his next game back is, is it Blackburn after the Blues? Yes. I, I can't see him being a first pick, and he could he could be, isn't Greedish one of the logical impact players potentially off the bench? I love this new term, impact. It's, uh, <laughs> it's now... Impact. Copyrighted, trademarked by Steve Bruce. <laughs> What's the alternatives? He's playing on the left. You, would you have AU over him? I think you probably would. At the moment, yeah. Mm. I think Grealish plays if McCormack plays, maybe. It's it's another option, isn't it? And um, he the, the glaring thing for me is we, we look a bit better for him being out the side. Is that is that controversial to say that? No, because I, I, when he got suspended, I don't think it would be any loss because it, in one way it actually helps uh, Bruce make a selection. It just you know mm. takes out one of the headaches. It's a positive headache to have, but it well, the, uh, kind of removes one of them. There's a good point floating around when I was talking after the game. Um, we feel like when we're attacking, especially Ayer, and Greenish is similar to this, when they get the ball, instead of driving on or picking a pass quickly, they're ones to cut inside or hold up, do you know what I mean, slow the play down. So The opposition yeah. play groups. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you play both of them, it doesn't really work, where Doma's a bit more direct. Are you Greenish? They're not kind of one-touch guys, are they? No. In terms, because Villa used to be, I mean, over the years, even from Lambert to going back to O'Neill, when we prided ourselves on our counter attacks, it was, you know, they were lightning, one touch kind of jobbies. I mean, just look at that Ashley Young goal in the last uh, dying seconds against Everton in the 3 2. I mean, even Gabby there, one touch flick on. And the Sidwell, the Sidwell's one touch masterclass. Well, mm-hmm. he, he did score in like, was it the opening uh, 30, 30 seconds? Yeah, yeah. Against Everton, yeah. And, yeah. and we thought the Sidwell renaissance was finally on, but uh, that was pretty much the only thing he did in the Villa shirt. I always used to say to my mate who I go to Villa games with that his default position was holding his head in his hands. Yes. He'd, he'd, he'd either got sent off or he'd missed a penalty. He'd just look aghast, wouldn't he? Very, oh, no. He, he, he was it's always been like again. some kind of existential meltdown. But uh, just one final thing on, uh, and this is open to both of you, one final thing. What is Grealish's role in the team? Well, for me, it's behind the striker. I feel like he plays best there. We And we haven't really used him a lot there. So, yeah. He's, like you said that if McCormack plays, Grealish plays, but one of them have got to play in that middle role. And so I'd probably say he's more of a centre-attacking midfield sort of playmaker. I don't really like him out on the left as much because he doesn't, yeah. doesn't have a lot of pace, really. I think I'm, I'm, I might actually recall that statement of if McCormack plays, Grealish plays. I think... Actually, it could be one or the other. Yeah, I mean, it's Grealish potentially our luxury player. Who there may be games where you look at the you look at who we're coming up against. Is he a natural first pick? I don't think he necessarily is. I think there might be circumstances or times in a game where you go, yeah, this is you know, if you if you're really on the front foot, I think I might want a you know, you're overrunning a team. You bring Grealish into that. I think if you're chasing a game or you want to get you really want to change a game, I'm not sure Grealish is the man. Yeah, no, because he he can go missing quite quickly, and this is the thing. I don't think he's. At the moment, I mean, he still uh, took Fabian Delph a few seasons to turn into somebody who could actually be a match winner, who could take a game uh, by the scruff of its neck. And, you know, Delph, let's be honest, he only started doing that in the 
the kind of last latter stages of his time at Villa, like the goal against Chelsea, the uh, the goal against Liverpool in the semi-finals, and, and that was what we needed—a midfielder who could change a game. I mean, well, during that period, Greedy was playing through the middle, and nowadays, when he plays on the left, thirty thousand people at Villa Park know what he's going to do as soon as he gets down the wing. Go inside, yeah. cut, cut inside. So uh, the defender knows that as well. So he's quite easy to play against. No, yeah, predictable. And you know, people are raving about him playing for the uh, doing well for the England under twenty ones. But look at who those guys are playing. I don't want to disrespect any other countries out there but they're playing sub-footballing nations and be- beating them, you know, five or six nil. So no wonder he's getting a hat-trick of assists. And the under-21s are a very good side as well. So if you're playing in a good side, it's not that hard to be. Yeah, sure. Anyway, let's let's move on. So what else has been happening in the championship while we've been dining on back-to-back wins, Dan? Uh, more of the same from Newcastle. They're still steaming away, not looking like, you know, they're fully into the swing of things now. I think it's fair uh, to do, say. Do, 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 I mean, they've got 10 wins already and, they, and yeah. you've got to remember they lost the first two games. So, Can you see them going uh, 100 points and above? I don't know. Are they they affected by the... Africa Cup of Nations or, you know, if they got enough, I, I don't really know. It's, it's hard for any team to keep, sustain uh, a constant kind of linear motion through a whole season. So they'll, you know, they'll have a little patch where they uh, wobble a bit, but, you know, they could be uh, a good few points. They could be at least double figures ahead, I think, at some stage. What I would say is they're looking across all of the results for this week. This is a, a real archetypal championship week of football. If you look at the who's won, who's lost, it's like a, it's like a tombola of results. You know, you've got Burton beating the Blues. Norwich losing to Preston. It's you know Wolves the absolutely inconsistent team. They lost at home to Leeds. Did they sorry, Fulham? Sorry, sorry. Did you say something about the uh, Burton beating the Blues? Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as Villa keep winning, because everybody else is beating each other. But this is perhaps the point that we've been. You know, we were talking about this early early season where. If we can actually get some momentum going, and we're talking about a run of wins, you know, <laughs> we haven't won two in a row for over a year, but now we're talking about winning, on, on, going oh. on a run of games. But if we can get anything together, the only way is up because it's just so many teams are inconsistent that you know, you just look at what two wins has done. You know, we're within a win, a win because, of ninth. You know, you'd look at the fixture lists in the Premier League, and you know, when you know, been write, writing articles about this, and you think, oh, we're going to play Norwich, then we play Stoke, and we've got West Brom, and then we've got uh, Crystal Palace. These are four games we should be able to win then we play Arsenal then we play Liverpool you look at the fixture list now I mean you could make a case for us winning every game if we were <laughs> oh my if, god he's finally gone insane <laughs> if we weren't Aston Villa <laughs> but we've got the players we've got a quality there's only Newcastle perhaps that can match us you know this is and I think the actual Villa board were guilty of this a little bit it's just on paper it, as we've said before it looks good we haven't got the team ethic as I think Brighton have or Huddersfield have or Norwich have mm. but if Bruce can install that and we have the quality and we add a little bit more in January then there's no reason why we can't turn two back-to-back wins into eight or nine. Well, look at the next three games. I mean, the, the Blues have just lost to Burton. All due respect, it's Burton. And then the, the two games after that are Black, Blackburn and Cardiff, and they're currently both in the bottom five. You've yeah. got to be circling that as, you know, you talk about putting together a string of wins. Well, what what better group that's of teams? What I'm, that's what I'm saying, my man. Beat yeah. the Blues, and then you got two games like that. Suddenly you've five wins on the trot. Whole complexion changes. Players are going out there with the smiles on their faces because they know what's going to happen. And, you know, play with a bit more freedom and they can fill their boots a little bit more. Oh, let's talk about the Blues. I'm excited now.
Welcome back to Jed and Axe Jungle. What a wild week. Back-to-back rip snorters, a six-pack. And now we march on to the lawless small heath, a godforsaken blue backwater. I've been to some right shitholes, but this place doesn't even have a dunny. But it's okay, I'll be grogged up and jet-lagged anyway. But who are they, blue pummy bastards? Couldn't name any of these feral critters. St Andrews, we're coming for you. It's gonna be a war! As Steve Bruce said, we've got a small game uh, coming up this weekend. I've what never we heard know? of them. Who are we playing? Who well, you were talking about them. Was it last episode or the episode before? This other team in Birmingham? Small Heath. Oh. Small Heath Alliance. Oh, I mean, I mean to be honest, I'm not that bothered by them. But uh, what's, tell me something, Chad. What's, why should we fear the Small Heath St. Andrews? Well, apart, from, apart from inbreeding. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned I know, Peaks Heads. <laughs> You mentioned it earlier. Um, They're coming for you, Dan. They have... Um, they've what? got four legs. I mean, they've got twice <laughs> the stride that I have. They have a sort of solid 11, a consistent 11 that they put out, and they're not particularly better at attacking or defending, and they're just solid. I think they've got good spirit as well. I mean, yeah. they you know they battle, and it's, I think they're more of a team uh, than Villa are at the moment in terms of that spirit. But uh, I think the last two games, I mean, the Burton game was a bit of a shocker, wasn't it, in terms of uh, some of the mistakes they made? Well, they looked a bit like Villa defenders last season with slips and stuff, especially leading to a lot of the goals. With a bit of pressure, yeah, they, they certainly look like they're a bit frail at the back, which is good for us. The way I see this game, I mean, regardless of the local rivalry, is the Blues will be up for this and obviously they'll have a home crowd uh, behind them, which is, uh, first of all, it'll be a good test on this new defence that we have. It They'll be under pressure. There'll be a bit of a, an, you know, an occasion there. So I think it'll be a bit of a uh, litmus test of can this Villa team actually up their game when the pressure's on and the and the atmosphere's there. And I think we'll learn a lot about this Villa team uh, at this game, and they'll either do a bit of an Enkelman or uh, take the ball by the horns. And who knows? We might actually see them at their best because I think we've got more quality than the Blues have, certainly up front. I think we've got more quality than them. I think I wonder whether it's going to be quite healthy going into the game. We won't have anyone really. Just thinking through the squad now, I don't think we'll have anyone scarred from previous Blues experiences because it's been a while. It's um, like six seasons since we last mm, played them in the league. Compe- yeah, competitively in the league. I think they've got a very good manager. I do think Rowett's a good manager considering he's had pistol to work with. He's he's got them into to where they are. That I think the threat will be that they're actually quite an unknown quantity to us. They're another team who are going to arrive. We're going to arrive in front of who we probably don't know a fat lot about. So. Well, we played them last season. We did, but not with this group of players. Broadly, you know that. That's well, I the think point. That, I think we're more of a mystery than they are. Well, that may be to our advantage. That's true, and I think if we've seen anything over the last couple, Bruce is going to want to go there and win, isn't he? I, I think that yeah. sentiment aside, it's a long time since he's been there, and. He's got a great opportunity with us. He's not going to want to go to Blues and get turned over because he's only been with us a week. But he's he's gained such stock in that time, and it's that momentum thing again. You don't want to then be thinking, "Well, we we could really do with winning the next two. You know, it gives you a bit of slip, doesn't it? Really, if you if you go and do the Blues and massive, it gives you massive, as I say, license to to probably lose a game. You know, we don't want to be doing that. But you go and beat the Blues, and people will will forgive maybe an error elsewhere. I think I think Bruce is going to get a bash in there. Oh, it's going to be miser- miserable for him. I think. Yeah. Sorry, Chad, did you, in terms of their weaknesses, what do you think? Well, they're a little bit like us. Quite early days in the Bruce, but um, we haven't kept possession very well against Fulham or Reading, and they can't keep possession at all either. They are one of the worst teams in the league at having a lot of the balls, so that's something we can certainly exploit as well. 
And um, defending against sort of skillful players as well uh, in their three losses, which is equal to the amount of losses that were we've had. Well, I mean that suggests they're a tough team to beat. Put it that way. Oh yeah, exactly. There's been a, a few standout players for sort of like Forest that have um, managed to uh, unwind their defence. So hopefully Kudger and Ayu will step up. We actually got a question about the game uh, from Daniel Wright on Facebook, who said, "Who do you think will start against the Blues? Seeing as Jonathan Grant is suspended." meaning Robinson will most slightly start at centre-back and Schotten out wide. Would you play Justed again, uh, as we did in the Cup last season, or play Ross McCormack uh, after his quality cameo against Fulham? Well, it's a um, it's a difficult one, really, because I know Justed um, didn't have the best of games against Fulham, but he gives us that sort of hold-up play and aerial ability away from home. But in terms of who the Blues will play in defence, they'll probably they've got this um on loan left back from Bournemouth called Wiggins, so they'll probably end up playing him rather than Robinson. So if they're playing well Wiggins or uh, Robinson at left back, maybe it could be a big game for a Doma. Yeah, or would he play Codger up down the right and uh, put Gusted down the middle? There is a argument to have Gusted with Codger down the right and Gusted in the middle because when it comes to getting into a battle, which this game will probably turn into, he, he does you know put his heart into it and he uh, obviously. Uh, turned up last time there's another thing to um sort of two things to debate here as well number one would you stick with the same start in 11 that won the last game and number two just they scored a lot of goals against the blues it's for blackburn so he's got previous there so right yeah that's another reason i don't know i, I personally i'd have codger down the middle and just scare the hell out of them and I'd probably have AU in there as well. I just wish we had a better midfield. I think we might find out more about Yedinek uh, against the Blues. I feel like after that slipper, um, Rowett will definitely maybe hold out for a draw. We'll see. Well, they can't afford to. It's it, it's a lot so much at stake in terms of reputations as well, isn't it? It's, we've already talked about Bruce. Rowett's an up-and-coming manager. He's not going to want to get a pasting from the Villa. At St Andrews, yeah. is he? So I think it could be cagey, but this will be won and lost in the midfield. And probably, you know, you, you've just been discussing the combinations of strikers. This will be the, the, the test of the roll on, roll off. Who do you start with? I think you're probably right. Start with Gested and maybe a combination of Codger down the middle or moving in that space across a three. Because I think his strength and his ability to, to get in amongst them, you know, he's, he's terrifying. And you see that defences drop off when he picks the ball up as well. I think Yedinek will have to turn up to this game for sure. Yeah. He'll just be, yeah, he'll be ritualistically dipped in pig's blood before he arrives and just waiting <laughs> for them in the centre circle, draped in a Chinese flag, beating it, <laughs> beating his chest. What we want to see is just two, <laughs> just a lot of absolute massive 50-50 challenges coming in from Yedinek and Baker. And he'll just be, be wearing Robbie Savage's skin as a... <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? I mean, in terms of going back to Jack Grealish, I mean, I don't know what Jack Grealish was doing stamping on Wolves players. He should have saved it a few games. Mm. Then people would have had a more uh, diplomatic approach. Like a Dublin his, appreciation uh... for him. <laughs> exactly, Dublin, yeah. Dublin gets nothing than congratulations if for getting sent off in that game. Doesn't if he played, I think there would be a sending off for Blitz because Well, exactly. You need somebody just as a bit of bait to, yeah. wind, <laughs> to wind them up and uh, let them lose a couple of numbers. I mean, that's that's another thing. It does play a part that, you know, people do get hot-headed in those games and you've got to remain pretty cool. A Villa have got a few players I think they could lose their rags. Like AU, he's like a... Oh, no. Just made a prediction there. That's the one. <laughs> that's the one. The old, whoops, there's the elbow into your face. Oh, grief. Uh, yeah, I, think... I know, it'll be Alan Hutton, I think. 
Hutton or AE, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of short tempers they have on their side. Probably Hutton two-footing the referee after about six minutes. And don't forget uh, our little Scottish mate, McCormack, as well. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, he, he's waiting to get sent off this season. Yeah. yeah I think he's getting bored of yellow cards. I think he, <laughs> he wants to upgrade. <laughs> so in terms of what the Blues derby means to you, I mean, is it a big fixture on your uh, calendar? When I was like, you know, supporting the Villa in the early days when I was a wee man, we never played the Blues. Uh, I think we yeah, we played them in the early 80s, but then there was this long, long period. Uh, and off the top of my head, I can't remember uh, how many years, at least nine, something like that. And I wasn't born in Birmingham, so I never had that kind of going to school with Blues fans and, you know, that kind of build up. So, uh, you know, when I was living in Birmingham... And I went to my first Blues derby. It was the second or third round of the Cup when we won it in 94, the League Cup, when we played them over two legs at uh, the end of 93. And, you know, I thought, hey, you know, it's a local derby. What the hell? Then I got to the ground. It was a night game, which are always the uh, the more exciting ones when it's uh, Villa Blues. And just having helicopters flying really low with searchlights on on all the turnstiles, that was obviously, you know, where you could just walk through on the night on the turnstile. And there were the atmosphere, it was like like being in a war zone. Good strong tackle that was on Richardson, but it breaks to Saunders, and Saunders is clear and could finish it here. Oh dear, oh dear. He must have been three yards offside. Taking nothing away from him. Villa Park celebrates and Birmingham's brave resistance is ended by Dean Saunders. It was, you know, a great atmosphere, but still to me, I, you know, I, I hate United and Liverpool and teams like that more than the Blues. But, you know, Dan, what, what do you think? What's your, what's your take and what was your first uh, derby? My first derby proper was the, the season they got promoted back to the Premier League when Bruce was the manager and I think we had Graham Taylor. Um, oh, so that, was the, the, that was the ankle. The Enkelman, um, and I mean, my abiding memory of it was, it's the first time, I mean, you go go to games where you think, yeah, it's a bit tasty here and, and whatnot, but yeah. it's the first time where I've been to a football ground where I think I think a home team genuinely wanted to inflict pain upon me. Um, <laughs> but they, they, this was, because this, they've, they've lowered the, the attendance by 5,000 this time, that's to stop the Blues fans being above you in that stand because yeah, on that night yeah. all the Blues fans were above so they were throwing piss shit anything they could I, I remember the, this guy was so angry above us he took the batteries out of his digital camera and he threw, <laughs> he threw that's such a that's such a like web 1.0 isn't it that fuck oh, I'm, not th- I'm not throwing my I'm not throwing <laughs> the shitty camera at you but I will throw the batteries at you but that was you know we had that shocking bloody David Ellery refereeing you had, I mean that, that game was that game was out of control if that was a out of control I mean, I, I was watch, only watching it on TV. You could feel it just from watching it on TV. And you just felt like if that was a war, you'd be waving, you'd be just calling to your troops, retreat, let's get the fuck out it was, of here. It was let's mental, back, I mean. Let's come back another day. The closest I can compare it to for, it doesn't. it's not the same in terms of disorder, but you know when like, the Villa fans were rounding on the pitch against the Albion when they were kept encroaching and they were running yeah, on. Yeah. That's, the Blues fans were over the hoardings for, for so many parts of the game. And another abiding memory was, I think it was at some point in the second half, and a fan gets on and Staunton picks this Blues fan up by his eyes and throws him, <laughs> he gets his fingers into his eyes and throws him back into the crowd. Like, this is the kid who, the kid who smacked Enkelman. Oh, into his, he, oh yeah, into his so eyes. He throws it into his eyes socket so he 
gets him like Predator and just thinks, fuck you. But, you know, that game had it all. There was a horrendous tackle by um, Purse on on Angal really early on, and Angal was hobbling around the pitch for, for the rest of the game. You know, Dela Cruz hit the bar at nil-nil, an absolute yeah, screamer, yeah. absolute screamer from nowhere. Yeah. Vassell had a, a goal disallowed. And to be honest, as soon as the Enkerman cock-up happened, it was just an absolute war zone. That incident pretty much came about from the atmosphere and just the anger and the, the savageness from well, the Blues. I mean, this is classic West Midlands police, isn't it? That, you know, let's have the game at half past seven midweek. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it'll a, be fine. That's, that's a good idea. Never to be repeated, and that's why we the game is at twelve o'clock on Sunday. Well, that's happy, why they... happy days, happy days. The, that also was a game when we were walking to the the ground. There was a you know you get like these crappy t shirt sellers. Yeah. There was a, there was a blues fan selling a t shirt with Alpe's face on it. It said slit the slit the Turks' throats, and there was these coppers <laughs> explaining to this guy why that might not be appropriate. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. So there's a close affinity between both the teams, a love and a community spirit that I'm sure will be played I mean, out this Sunday. I mean, it's, it's an age-old question, but I, I don't think there's any... I'm talking about England. I don't think there's a derby as nasty. It's spiteful, isn't it? It's, uh, it's. I mean, Everton, Liverpool, you know, always remember in the 80s, they'd play in FA Cup finals and, you know, their fans would be mixed sitting next mm-hmm. to each other and all, mm-hmm. you know... Manchester, I mean, in terms of the live games, there's so many tourists there now that there's never going to be any uh, tribal rivalry. So that that's lost its spark. doesn't matter how much the media build that one up. It's telling that when I went to university and I've met um, someone from someone from Birmingham, yeah. uh, the, one of the first sort of questions I asked was, who do your family support? Blows or Villa? And instantly you judge them on that. <laughs> but you, you are, they're no well, longer your friends. You for me, just check for the smell of manure and then you know whether me, it's... <laughs> for me, from a young age, it's sort of been bred into me. Obviously, you yeah. love Claret and Blue, but you absolutely hate them. Hate. Like... I don't know. I don't even know what it is, but it, it's a massive game for me because it's another thing is as soon as the fixture list came out this season, the first dates everyone were looking to. Well, when we play Blues, and in terms of memories, I always remember from when I was young, we just always used to beat them. Yeah, like they were, they were never particularly good. That, and that was just that was just after the period that uh, Dan's talking about. Yeah, when they came up, this is when Bruce was in charge. I think they went three seasons where they where we never beat them, and then the we period. just then we just went crazy yeah. and just beat them all the time. Yeah. The period I'm sort of talking about is obviously Gabby's header in sort of final minutes away from home. Uh, the 5-1, which was one of the best days of my life. Mitchell had to cut that one out, but it's gone through to Gabriel Egbonlahor. Can he pick out Carew? Doesn't need him, it's five. All his own work as well. It's Gabriel Egbonlahor. He's in double figures for the season, and it's a nap hand from Aston Villa. Just when Birmingham were starting to show signs of a little bit of a revival. It's Aston Villa 5, Birmingham City 1. Brilliantly done by Agbon Lahore. He was just teasing and toying with the defence. 
And I just remember when they, it's just pure humiliation for them when they scored their goal, yeah. the whole Villa crowd cheered. It, it was brilliant. And then obviously there's so much emotion in the uh, last season's one as well. A memory I've got that you've just jogged my memory of the Ashley Young crossing that Gabby glances in past Mike Taylor. Yeah, yeah. A minute before he scores that, the, the Blues fans were singing something like Champions League, you're having a laugh. And Young had been pinging the ball all over the place. He, he hadn't put a ball in all day. And they'd been giving him absolute grief because, you know, Tilton's really close to the close to the pitch as well. I've never been carried forward so quickly on so many people because I was under virtually middle back in that. But when that ball went in, oh my God. I'll tell you what, if we could do that on Sunday, I'd, I'd love it. I'd bloody love it. <laughs> I'm having a Keegan moment on, isn't it? <laughs> Talking about of a rivalries, I think the only thing that has nastiness uh, to that level is Liverpool United, I think. Yeah. Not, not Red Monday. <laughs> But they've, they've played each other so much in recent yes. years that you know that kind of dissipates. Where Blues and Villa, it's it's not every every year that they play each other. Right, let's uh, finish off with five reasons to be cheerful as villains. And uh, actually, we're in the realms of genuine uh, reasons to be cheerful. Uh, finally, it's only taken about five years. So, first one, Chad. What's making you feel cheerful going into this week? The fact that we uh, held on at the end of the, the Fulham game, to be honest, was a massive plus for me. It sure, sort of shows that we've turned a corner because in the Reading game we looked frail even though we scored so late and if we would have sco- scored any earlier, I think we probably would have conceded. But Fulham, they're renowned in their sort of 14 games so far. They've, um, they're really good from coming coming back from behind. So Is it, is, is it called comebackability? Yeah, <laughs> comebackability, precisely. But um, we didn't even we didn't give them any chances. You could feel the atmosphere, and it was nervous, and that anxiousness was there. But we just dealt with it strongly, and our defenders stood up to the battle, and we didn't really give them much. So when Villa took the lead, I thought that was game set and match. Just because I thought Fulham would struggle to make that gear change, they'd be so reserved and set in their ways during the game, mm. and I thought they couldn't suddenly go hammer and tong out of nowhere. I think it was almost like they had one plan and it just basically failed because they were relying on us to attack, attack, attack so they could uh, catch us on the counter. But as soon as obviously we're not going to be as adventurous after getting 1-0 up, I thought that was kind of them done and dusted. Anyway, let's move on to number two. Uh, Dan, what do you got? Codger looks like he was worth every single penny of the money we, we've spent on him from Bristol. He looks... He could be. Uh, he's going to be that person. Who I think we look back on who we say. You know, he was the difference between us going up or, or staying where we were. He looks really, really good. Normally, it's uh, it's Ben Teke, it's Ben. Well, if it wasn't for him, we'd have been relegated. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it'd be good to have a player where we actually celebrate for him taking us up a level. But uh, yeah, he's 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 red hot at the moment. He's in fact he's got a goal in every game that Bruce has managed. It's like you said as well, he looks like the complete striker. Mm. He may not win a lot of aerial battles, but he's tall. He can certainly win a header. He's acrobatic, as he showed us the weekend. He's fast. Yeah. He's like electric. And he's he's very skillful as well, and he can make something out of nothing. So, I love Hold on a minute. Uh, it's been an hour since I watched that scissor kick against Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just have a quick look. <laughs> Number three, I, I think... We've got two runs going on now. I mean, it's a fledgling uh, winning run, but two. Uh, if we beat the Blues, then it's three wins on the bounce with winnable fixtures ahead. So uh, we could really see a kick-starting of the season and actually Villa becoming what they always should have been this season as, as a promotion contender. And also the, the Fulham game ex- extended something that I'm 
Nobody's really talking about it at the moment, apart from my old man said. And that's this unbeaten uh, home record, which I think a few more wins and we're still unbeaten. Then suddenly I think we, there's potential to get the whole hog and go the whole season without losing at Villa Park, which uh, will finally give season ticket holders actually some value for their uh, money. Especially after the last couple of seasons. Well, more than that, I would say. Mm. I mean, we're talking about under... I think McLeish, it was a record amount of losses. Losses, which Lambert then equaled. I think it's nine. Lambert equaled and then Lambert beat the next Ah, season with ten. I mean, it's just horrendous. Uh, Just purely in terms of results, what Villa fans have had to suffer at Villa Park. So the least that the team can... I mean, obviously different players, but still. The least the club can do for them is to remain unbeaten at Villa Park this season. Right, number four, Chad. Um, I'll go on this one and I'll actually say the fact that Steve Bruce is a tactical genius and that he's now picking players in terms of how he wants to set up and how he needs to approach a game rather than just going, oh yeah, Kodja costs 15 million. Ross McCormack scored this many goals. Gested can do this. Grealish is this. And just picking as many attacking players as possible. Do you really think Bruce is a tactical genius? Dan? <laughs> Why do I get drawn into this? <laughs> um, shoot, shoot this young man down. He's, he's better than Di Matteo. I don't know whether tactical genius would be. I, I think, I'm not going to get the T-shirts up in the shop just yet. He's more practical, Is I think is maybe the word. Yeah. You win two games and suddenly you're a genius. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we should save that same bite for, for when he's sacked in three weeks' time. After losing 9-0 at the Blues, 2-0 at Leeds. Blackburn release a load of chickens onto the pitch and they win. Who else are we playing Cardiff? Stereotypical what, sheep on the pitch? Is that what... I don't think you're allowed to say that anymore. You get oh, told uh, off. Okay. Um, actually, I heard a story about Sam Herman this week. You know, when he was manager of Cardiff, to, to put, the, put the opposition off, he genuinely sent... I think the intern out to buy a sheep and leave it in the opposition dressing room. Google it. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you get around being un PC and mentioning sheep when you talk, <laughs> when you talk about a Welsh team? Yeah. The final reason to be cheerful this week. Number five, Dan. First away win since the Titanic was sunk. Ah. <sighs> oh. Leighton Castle, who's a listener to the show. Hello, hope you had a good anniversary trip away. He actually said that the last time, he said, I've just come back from my wedding anniversary, or words to this effect, just come back from my wedding anniversary. When Villa last won an away game, I wasn't married. So he, he's managed to organise a wedding, get married, organise an anniversary, have the an- anniversary, and all these managers can't even organise a set of 11 players to beat a well. Exactly. I mean, another fan, uh, I think, tweeted me, he said, I'm 32 now. I was 30 when Villa last won, <laughs> uh, last won a, an away game. It's it's pathetic, isn't it? It's fantastic. It's we should, uh, Isn't this the kind of thing that we would put a plaque up somewhere about, and it'd be like, this, this was the moment, and we could have a little unveiling. This is actually a serious question now. Do you think we'll ever go on a run of games like that ever again without winning an away game in our whole lives or home game ever again? Oh, I don't. I think what it would be is that you'll probably be sitting here saying, do you remember when Dan was still alive the last time we won an away game? (laughs) (laughs) Surely it can't happen again. Yeah, let's let's not uh, draw up evil forces. Tempt fate. Uh, so if you have any points that you want discussing in future podcast shows or have indeed have any questions for our mom's QT, drop us a uh, tweet on Aston Villa pod and you can also uh, hashtag that mom's QT 
And also don't forget, as per usual, give us a like or love heart on SoundCloud or a five star on iTunes. All these things help and I much appreciate it. I don't know how they help. Uh, I think uh, just... Just do it. It's just, yeah, just do it. Just do it. You know, let's see what happens. If we can get like 5,000 uh, five stars and about 5,000 likes, then I'm sure uh, it'll be the number one podcast in the UK or something ridiculous like that. Anyway, I think it's time to uh, say goodbye and uh, I'm going to uh, tool up for the Blues game. <laughs> I'm going to get ready for the Blues game. So uh, until next time, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from them. Bye. Goodbye. Daddy, I've never heard of Birmingham City before. My old man said Good head, Caritas, Burns Losing it to Little There it is, 2-1 Barnwell's first goal of the season 26 minutes into the second half because it was he really who gave it away had the ball then he lost it in the challenge with Little and once Little had won it back again Latchford had no chance Away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89 percent off usps and ups Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.